0: Today, I'll be answering your mailbag questions about the Dallas Stars this offseason and for the upcoming 23-24 season. We'll talk about the overtime issues from last year and how they can be resolved, the expectation for the Stars to make the playoffs in back-to-back seasons, and we'll discuss some future with Joe Pavelski and who takes his place on the top line once he calls it a career. All of this coming up on a Friday episode of Locked on Stars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Dane Lewis, your local expert on all things Dallas Stars hockey. Coming to you on this Friday, July 28th. And whether this is your first time here or you are a recurring listener, thank you for stopping by and making Locked On Stars your first listen every single day. Be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube. Follow along on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. We are always free and available no matter where or how you choose to listen and plenty of people submitted mailbag questions we're covering three of them today Uh, i appreciate all of the invoices uh from people you know sending in questions Uh, unfortunately we can't get to all of them but it's a good problem to have but uh, just keep your eyes peeled for the next mailbag prompt and submit a question there's a good chance that it could end up on the next mailbag episode but the first one we are going to cover today Comes from Barry Rogers on Twitter. And Barry says, Excited to see the Stars play this coming season, especially with the new players being added. Definitely a cup contender. But how do the Dallas Stars fix the overtime issue? Great question, Barry. Thank you for submitting a question. uh, And thank you for tuning in and listening to the show. It's a good question because um, I think many of us have chosen to forget just how bad the Dallas Stars were past regulation during the 22-23 season. They were tied for third in the league in the most overtime losses with 14. I think they technically had eight overtime wins, but the majority of those came via shootout. I think only two times, uh, maybe two or three times, they won an overtime game with a a goal in that five-minute sudden death period, maybe three or four times. Uh, A lot of the other games came via shootout, Uh, which is maybe more a testament to Jake Ottinger being a good goalie in those situations. Uh, But the overtime period was a disaster, which is just odd. It's one of those things that just seems to go back and forth uh, with this organization, because I remember two seasons ago in the condensed weird COVID season, the stars were also awful in overtime. And it's a huge reason why they missed out on the playoffs that year, leaving so many points on the table. And then, you know, the following year, the Rick Bonus's final year as head coach, they were really good in overtime. They could not lose in overtime. And then this first year with Pete DeBoer, it went back to the way it had been before, where they just couldn't catch a break, couldn't catch a win. And, and you know, it was one of those things where you think, oh, they just need to get one. And then they'll finally start to rattle off some more. And then that kind of happened. And then it, they just kind of kept staying in the same rut. And so the question is certainly worth asking. I mean, how do the Dallas stars fix it? What do they do or how do they address this predicament that they find themselves in? And I think that there's a few different ways to look at it and the simplest one, and it's almost going to sound sarcastic and it maybe is to some extent, just don't go to overtime. Uh, The Dallas stars, a lot of times either find them found themselves down incredibly late um, and maybe by multiple goals. And then, you know, they have to force these epic comebacks and then, you know, they fall just short in those comeback efforts. Uh, you know, they force overtime, they get the point, but they don't completely pull off the comeback, or they do fall apart a little bit late in games. Uh, that allows a team to get to the overtime period, and then that team has captured the momentum, and they're able to execute in three-on-three and get that additional point. The Stars just need to do what they can to avoid overtime. Uh, they, they're a great offensive team this past season. I think they're due to be as good, if not better, with some of the additions that they've made in the offseason and the idea of some of these young prospects potentially coming into the fold. I think that there's plenty of potential for this team to be very good in regulation. But then even in overtime, I think some of the problems could resolve themselves with some simple personnel changes, especially with the forwards that you have at your disposal. I think a guy like Jason Robertson or Ropey Hintz uh, and even Joe Pavelski, to some extent, suit the overtime period pretty well. But you also have to put a defenseman out there, Miro Haskinen, clearly a prime candidate to be uh, you know, the lead guy in that department for the Stars in overtime. I think the addition of Thomas Harley to the team might add some options there. Because, And we've discussed this a little bit, especially earlier on when discussing what the defensive lineup could look like. A lot of these guys just aren't necessarily fast. And that's kind of what tends to win in these overtime periods. Is speed. If you get those breakaway opportunities and get that one-on-one look, just you versus the goalie, and the Stars just don't typically have the speed to keep up unless they're able to get that goal early in the overtime period, which a lot of times they couldn't even win the faceoff, and then they find themselves playing defense for the majority of that five-minute period, or they're just playing defense until the other team inevitably scored. And so I think Thomas Harley coming into the fold to aid Miro Haskinen in that effort helps. I think adding a player like Matt Duchesne is helpful, even though he's starting to get up there in age to some extent. He's still a pretty quick player overall. I think Wyatt Johnston, now with a full year under his belt, could be a great weapon. I think it's just finding that right personnel. Jamie Benn, not necessarily a guy that you went out there in overtime. He had a really nice bounce back season last year, but the lack of speed and quickness and agility Uh, just given where his game's at right now, not necessarily suited for that three-on-three sudden-death frame. And I think Tyler Sagan, uh, you can kind of gauge at the start of the season what he looks like. I, I know he had some nice moments in overtime last season. I think that's really what it boils down to, is just finding that right personnel, because I think back to so many of those overtime games, and the guys that beat the Stars were typically the star players, guys that have a huge burst of speed. I think David Pasternak had a, an overtime game-winning goal against the Stars whenever the Bruins were in town. Uh, Jack Hughes scored a game-winner in Dallas against the Stars when the Devils were in town, so on and so forth. And it's just a speed thing, a personnel thing. And it's one of those things that going into the year, you can't necessarily pinpoint a solid prediction. On paper, the Stars should be one of the best teams in the league Just in terms of talent. And I think that even extends to overtime. But hopefully, one, they can avoid overtime overall and not go as often. uh, If you know, secure those two points in regulation and don't give the opposition the opportunity to get any points, Uh, especially in those divisional games, those points are going to matter. And I expect it to be a relatively tight race for first in the central between. Uh, the Stars, the Avalanche, and maybe even a team like the Minnesota Wild. But even across the West in general, who knows what teams out of the Pacific are going to be gunning for that top spot in the West. Home ice advantage, absolutely crucial in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And so you want to get those two points in regulation while you can. Avoid overtime at all costs. But when you do go to overtime, make sure you are prepared and have the right personnel ready to go out and you know score that game-winning goal and set themselves up for success. And I think maybe we started to see some of those answers come to you know fruition at the late stages of the season. I remember Max Domi had a nice play with Miro Haskin, and I think that was a game in Seattle in the regular season. A uh, really nice passing play, and Max Domi was, of course, a new acquisition. A change in personnel changed the Stars' favor uh, in overtime. In that instance, they weren't necessarily great in the postseason. Uh, one overtime win against the Vegas Golden Knights, but struggled in overtime and some other stretches of the postseason it's hard to pinpoint but hopefully we'll see some improvement from the stars this upcoming season it's going to be hard to do much worse than 14 overtime losses if you can keep that number under 10 i think you're doing considerably better Uh, and just do your best to get those points in regulation while you can and i think the stars find themselves finishing the season in a different position who knows if it would have been for better or for worse If they're able to get some of those extra points, either by avoiding overtime altogether or winning a handful of those overtime games and acquiring those extra points. But we still have a few mailbag questions left to answer when we come back. We'll talk about how the Dallas Stars can keep building what they started last year in the year one of the Pete DeBoer era and how the Stars can continue to build consistency in terms of their postseason appearances. More on that coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. It's something that I drink literally every single day. I decided to give AG1 a try because I wanted better gut health and a boost in energy. I drink AG1 in the morning before making my coffee. and It makes me feel unstoppable, ready to take on the day. AG1 replaces your multivitamin probiotic and more in one simple drinkable habits super convenient to add to your daily morning routine just a scoop and a cup of water and that's it it's science driven formulation of vitamins probiotics and whole food sourced nutrients if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine then you've got to give ag1 a try and get a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is visit drinkag onecom slash nhl network that is drink, ag1.com slash NHL network to change your supplement routine for the better. I want to thank you again for making Locked On Stars your first listen of the day, for continuing to make us a part of your daily routine here throughout the offseason. And for those of you that submitted mailbag questions, again, we're not able to get to all of them, but I do see them and I appreciate them. Uh, thank you guys for the continued support here throughout the off season. In particular, the next one comes from Callian, the forbidden one. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. There's an X in front of it, but he's always, he's always been a, a big supporter of the podcast. Thank you for your question. He says, I think the team is set up for a great season. That said, my question is, is Dallas has struggled in the last decade or so to make the playoffs consistently. Do you think that, that will hinder them at this next season? Or do you think they will be able to rise above it thank you for the question it's a very fair question and one that i think you could ask for a handful of nhl teams as it's not always as simple as well this team made the playoffs last year and they are returning you know the same core and you know added pieces to it so they're a shoe in for the playoffs it's never quite that simple uh, because there's all kinds of things that can derail a season uh, whether it be off-ice issues injury underperformance, mismanagement by a coach or coaching personnel, trouble in the front office, so on and so forth. These aren't necessarily issues I anticipate for the Stars, but that's often the case with with those situations or things you don't necessarily expect or see coming. And with that being said, I think there is a little bit of pressure on the Dallas Stars. They've made the playoffs in back-to-back seasons. They've been a pretty active member in the postseason over the past handful of seasons or so i feel like really you know at the at the turn of the decade as we kind of ended the 2010s and have started to get into the 2020s the stars have either been in the postseason or at least been in the conversation until the very end of the regular season uh 2018 2019 they make the playoffs they make it to the second round uh or and then the following year pandemic, whatnot, whatever. They make it to the playoffs. They make it to the Stanley Cup finals. And then the following year, no playoff appearance, but they were very much in the race up until the very end. Still almost got in despite those struggles with overtime, the injuries on that roster, not really having a full team for the majority of the campaign. They were still a decent team that still almost made it into the dance. I don't think they would have gone very far, but I think that there is something to be said that they did almost make it. They make it the following year in 2022, and they make it the following year in 2023, making it all the way to the Western Conference Finals. This has been a very solid Dallas Stars team over the past four or five years or so. And it's a question that I ask myself a lot, really, ever since the end of the season. And I think I've touched on it some here on the podcast. Is this as good as it's going to get with Pete DeBoer? Uh, because you look at his track record as a head coach. And almost everywhere he's gone, there's been instant success in year one of his time. Cup final appearances, year one in New Jersey, same thing, year one in San Jose, a conference finals appearance in his first year with the Golden Knights in Vegas, and now a conference finals appearance for his first season in Dallas. So is the streak doomed to continue? That it's not that Pete DeBoer led teams have never made the playoffs again after you know reaching some pretty high highs, but they've never reached that same high. He never went back to the Cup final with the Devils or the Sharks. He never really made it back to great postseason glory with the Vegas Golden Knights following that you know loss to the Stars in the bubble in 2020. And so, what are we left with now? I really have no reason to believe that the Stars won't be a good team. They should be a good team. If they're able to stay healthy and maintain good locker room chemistry, good on-ice chemistry, I really think that this team can be very good, and it's not too much of a mystery to think that they're going to go to the playoffs. I certainly wouldn't be shocked. I don't think really anyone who follows the NHL closely and knows what they're talking about and understands how these teams are built I don't really think anyone who knows how the how the game is structured right now and how the teams are built, no one would look at the Dallas Stars team and think, yeah, they might be a long shot to make the playoffs, especially given the division that they're in. Uh, some of the, the bottom teams like Arizona and Chicago are making some moves, but they're not quite ready to be playoff teams yet. I don't think Winnipeg uh, has done a ton to really fall either way. I feel like they'll kind of be a middle-of-the-pack team. Minnesota, Colorado, I think will be competitive, and the Blues are an absolute wild card. So I think the Stars have an incredible opportunity to make the playoffs again. And a lot of it will ride on on some benefits of health. The Stars were one of the healthiest teams in the league last season. They every now and then were without a key player, but no one really missed significant time. And if people did, they didn't have players that could step up uh, and fill in quite nicely, especially when you think of, you know, Rope Hintz goes down for a handful of games. Tyler Sagan slots in at that top center position and plays quite well alongside Jason Robertson and Joe Pavelski. Uh, Scott Wedgwood had some very nice games in in place of Jake Ottinger whenever he needed time off uh, just for rest or injury, things of that nature. And I think that's really what it's going to come down to is just the stars getting some more fortune in that regard and then maintaining the culture that they've established over the past handful of seasons, which I don't necessarily anticipate being an issue as pretty much the exact same leadership core is still here. And a lot of the younger guys who I, you know, you might not say that they're leaders in the locker room, but I I think that they are to some extent guys like Robertson and hence have been around long enough now that, you know, they're, they're not the, the grizzled veterans, like your Pavelski's bins or Sagan's, but I think that they've garnered some respect in that room. And even when the younger guys like Wyatt Johnston come in or Thomas Harley, those guys are there to help kind of lead the way and show how things are done. And, I don't think the Stars have lost anyone that's going to detriment that, and I don't think they've added anyone that's going to come in and throw a wrench in that. If anything, I think the addition of players like Craig Smith and Matt Duchesne will help boost uh, that chemistry in the locker room uh, as those guys have been you know, respected players around the NHL and with their former clubs that they've played for in the past, and those guys want to win Stanley Cups. They want to be successful. So I think there's a bunch of like-minded individuals in that room. The question is, can Pete DeBoer continue to set that team up for success structure the roster and the lineup in the right way in order to put the stars in the best position night in and night out to win games and if he can set them up for success i think that that team is going to be talented enough to carry out the game plan most nights and go out and rack up plenty of wins and acquire plenty of points for what should be a successful season so while initially nothing really stands out as a red flag of oh the team might not make the playoffs You know, there's still things that we just can't predict and things that really come out of nowhere. But this team, in theory, is structured for another great regular season. And if they make it to the playoffs, another great, deep playoff run. They just need some fortune in the health department and need to make sure that the culture that has been established stays intact for the entirety of the season. And let's hope Pete DeBoer can finally rise above and break the cycle that he's built for himself over pretty much the majority of his career. I would finally love to see him reach similar, if not even new heights with the team after taking them incredibly far in year one of his tenure. Third and final segment of today's episode of Locked On Stars. Thank you again for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day. This final question, thank you for all of the mailback questions. Again, this one coming from at Joe Baker two three one one on YouTube under the community tab. And this one having a little bit to do with the future. Joe asks, a bit of a long-term question. Who do you think moves up to the first line when Pavs retires? Pavs, of course, in reference to Joe Pavelski, who, for all we know, this could be his final season as he signed that one-year contract extension in the middle of last season, continuing to take some pay cuts. He's starting to get up there in age, late 30s, early 40s. This very well could be the final season of Joe Pavelski in the NHL. We don't know that for certain, but it very well could be. And it wouldn't surprise me. I don't think it would surprise many people given how long he has played. But if the past handful of seasons are any indication, he still has plenty left in the tank and plenty left to offer this team. And of course, uh, is still very much determined to win a Stanley Cup before he hangs up the skates. But it is a question worth asking. Uh, It's not necessarily a day I'm looking forward to as Joe Pavelski has been one of my favorite players in the league, even before he came to Dallas, Uh, a guy who just plays the game the right way, um, takes care of himself off the ice, is just a class act all around. But also on top of it, an incredibly fun and talented player to watch. Uh, Just the best of both worlds with Joe Pavelski. But with that said, certainly would not be an easy task uh, to replace him on what's been the best line in hockey ever since it was formed in the middle of that 2021 season, where Rick Bonus just kind of threw together this lineup and said, hey, let's try Robertson, the, the Calder finalist, Rope Hintz, a stud centerman, and then Joe Pavelski, the, the age-grizzled veteran with plenty still in the tank. Uh, and those guys have really never looked back. They've been one of the most dynamic and dangerous trios in the NHL. And, and it's certainly a question worth asking. Uh, and, you know, I think it's conversation for a different day, but you also asked the question, once Pavelski retires, do you even keep Robertson and Hintz together? Maybe, depending on what the coaching situation looks like, whether it's DeBoer that's still there or possibly even someone new, maybe you look at separating them and trying to integrate their talents with someone else. That's a different conversation for a different day. But let's say for the purposes of this question and the purposes of this segment that Robertson and Hintz are staying together and you're probably looking to keep Ropey Hints at that center position. Uh, Pavelski could slot in there as well, but Hintz just checks all of the boxes for what you need for the modern-day NHL centerman. And I think there's a few different ways you could approach this. You're probably looking to add someone who can play on the wing but also kind of slot in and take over some of those center responsibilities if needed, and particularly face-offs, which is something that the Dallas Stars are typically pretty good at and pride themselves on having two guys on every line, that can go in and win a face-off pretty much in any given situation. And so one guy who maybe some people don't think about, but I think would be an interesting fit, depending on what his career continues to look like, because he'll still be around for the next handful of seasons, Tyler Sagan would be a very interesting fit on this top line. And we even have proof that it certainly could work. Uh, as we know that Joe Pavelski missed the majority of that first round series against the Minnesota wild Tyler Sagan slots into that role and played incredibly well against that Minnesota team. A lot of his success and goals did come on the power play, but he was still sharing the ice with Rope and Jason during that time and played incredibly well. Uh, Some of the best looks we had seen from Sagan all season long came when he was playing alongside those two players. And depending on how things go this year, I'm assuming They're going to try to play him, he and Matt Duchesne with one another. Uh, You know, If Duchesne's on that one-year deal, so his future with the organization is kind of up in the air right now. We don't know if he's going to be coming back long-term or if Dallas is just a one-stop, you know, a one-season stop for him uh, as a lot of the new players on the team are under these one-year deals as we're expecting the cap to go up next season, and these guys are hoping to get bigger paychecks for their next deal, whether that's with Dallas or a different team is to be determined, but you know, let's say, you know, Duchesne moves on or maybe Sagan, Duchesne stays, but he and Sagan didn't necessarily establish the best chemistry, certainly wouldn't be opposed to seeing Sagan slot in alongside Hints and Robertson. I, I think it could be almost be the exact same certainly not the exact same but similar in a lot of ways Uh, as Sagan and Pavelski are different players but they do have some things in common and I think that there's still something to be said of having that veteran on the line even though Robertson and Hintz can very much well hold their own right now at this point in their career and probably will still uh, fit under that umbrella a year from now if Pavelski if he retires and isn't playing anymore I think that that's certainly worth looking into. I think Logan Stankoven would also make for an interesting candidate as we don't really know what his role is going to look like this season. Is he going to get NHL minutes? Is he going to spend the majority of his year in the AHL? We don't necessarily know, but again, if a year from now Pavelski is no longer in the league, no longer with the team, it'd be a pretty big ask to get a guy who could potentially be a rookie or a guy who doesn't have a ton of NHL reps to slot in there. So it might not happen immediately. But maybe at some point in time, maybe two or three years from now, we could be looking at a line of Robertson, hence Stankoven. And I think, you know, it'd be a peculiar line for sure. But if Stankoven lives up to the hype that kind of has been placed around him, I think it would be just an offensive juggernaut of a line uh, and a ton of fun to watch. And of course, there's always the idea and the possibility that it could be a guy acquired via trade or free agency. Uh, I think that Wyatt Johnston probably isn't a candidate for that spot. I think that they're going to want to try to keep him and Rope apart for both of those guys to be centermen. I think Wyatt Johnston is the perfect fit for a team's second center position, and I don't necessarily see Ben leaving his side. Uh, Evgeny Dedanoff probably going to stay with those guys as long as he's with the team. I don't necessarily think Mason Marchman is top line material. And then after that, it, it is kind of a mix of some middle six guys, but it's certainly an interesting conversation to be had, but hopefully one we don't have to worry about this season. And honestly, again, not looking forward to the day where we do have to have uh, that discussion for real, as it would be it would mean that Joe Pavelski is no longer a Dallas star. Not necessarily a thought that makes me super happy, so excited to get one more year of Pavs in Victory Green, at least uh, one more year. Again, no confirmation on whether or not this is his final season, but it is something that we'll have to start thinking about sooner uh, rather than later. But that is going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Stars. Thank you so much again uh, for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day. For all of you who submitted mailbag questions, thank you again. I know I didn't get to all of them, but I try to at least acknowledge them in some way with the like or the, the heart emoji type thing on YouTube. So thank you guys uh, for the continued support. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I hope you enjoyed this week's worth of content. Uh, we will be back. On Monday with a pretty big show programming announcement so be on the lookout for that it probably won't come out Sunday night it probably will come out uh, or maybe it will we'll have to see Sunday night or probably early Monday morning a uh, pretty big announcement in terms of what a uh, pretty big change that's coming up in the locked on stars podcast so be sure to mark your calendars for that be on the lookout for that likely early Monday morning but I hope you guys enjoy your weekend Take care of yourselves, and we will see you back here on Monday.